four in the afternoon, she'd already eaten. And there's no way that she's going to be able to cook without that super pot for 10,000 disciples of Durvasana. He's going to get angry that you didn't treat me nicely and he'll curse the Pandavas. So this was Duryodhana's trick, how to get the Pandavas cursed. So when they came, they said, oh, well, welcome. We're so happy to see you. I'll give it to you. And uh, so they have to feed their guests. This is a part of the Vedic culture. So when we go first, take your bath in the holy river, and then we'll just arrange your uh, prasadam. Then she went running to Krishna, what to do? Anytime there's any difficulty, the devotees take on Krishna. Every time there's any success, they think of Krishna. When Yudhisthira was uh, crowned, the emperor, after all the kurukshetra, everything's over, then he's thinking of Krishna. And he invites Krishna to be there for the coronation, invites Krishna to, for the Rajasuya sacrifice. Krishna and Bipod or Sampad, in danger or in, in the success, he was always the one. So now, Draupadi was in really big danger, so went to Krishna, what to do? You all know the story. And then Krishna said, give me one little grain. He was never speaking you know, some, some esoteric thing that nobody can understand. But he has no reality now for us. It's practical. Otherwise, you don't need a child, you don't need a spiritual master if it's not practical. If he only gives you theory or some, uh, some things that you can understand. He's a teacher. Like Lord Chaitanya, he, he, you know, every one of you knows Lord Chaitanya. He's a universal teacher. He's called himself, Radha Krishna himself. But he came down to us, the teachers, ABC. It's in the introduction of the uh, teaching of Lord Chaitanya. So the Prabhupada writes, Lord Chaitanya is a universal teacher. But he knows he cannot give us the highest thing now just by, uh, by speaking about it. We will anyway not understand. So he comes down to our platform and he teaches us A, B, C, D, alphabet. But does this mean that he has to learn it? That Lord Chaitanya has to learn it? No, he already knew. But if out of compassion he comes to teach us how to love Krishna, how to serve Krishna. So the Acharya as eternal associate, so the Prabhupada eternal associate, Nitya Sita. He's a, he came to this world to teach us by his practical example how to love Krishna, how to serve Krishna. And because we have an ideal example of Sila Prabhupada as our founder Acharya, everyone is inspired to follow him. Therefore we are Prabhupada and Mukas. And still Prabhupada attracts so many devotees, so many people by his uh, example and by his wonderful Krishna consciousness. Therefore, all glories to our founder, Charis, Divine Grace, Silas Prabhupada. Yeah. 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 Happy 37th anniversary of the founding of ISKCON. This is my 35th anniversary of being in ISKCON. I missed, I missed the first two years, so. I'm 29. So next year you can celebrate the 30th anniversary. <laughs>
So next year, 30th, 14 July. No, note that down. Bal Krishna has got his pen out. Why don't you bring out the prasadam and then we can, in the meantime, we can just, if there's any questions, someone can go get the prasadam. Tell me it's already now. Sorry, I didn't know that. This was the first time that I came to a temple and that I came in contact with Krishna. I only heard one LP from, you know, this uh, Goddess of Fortune. And there I found address from the temple. I never read anything. And so I came to the temple and I only knew that George Harrison writes there in introduction that there are different stages of yoga, karma yoga, jnana yoga, astanga yoga. There are all different steps. Stair steps. But on the, on the top is bhakti yoga. And I still have this in mind in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in this verse. So, George Harrison, your Vagma Pradesh Guru. <laughs> and there was address of the temple, of the different temples in Europe. And then I, ca then I came to the, then I came to the, I went to Amsterdam to the temple. And I, uh, and there I met Pritu. And he introduced me to our Bhagavad Gita because I, in the, uh, George Harrison also is pointing out in, in this on this LP is a double, double cover like a book uh, that that uh, he 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 writes you know that uh, about Bhagavad Gita and you know, I heard so much about Bhagavad Gita but never had opportunity to read and so I thought. Uh, I have to go to the temple because uh, if I'm here in, uh, at home or in uh, my surrounding, I never will never understand on the, on, on the read Bhagavad Gita. So I thought I go to the temple. So I went to the temple and that there I met Pritu and he and he showed he showed me so many things because he knows Bhagavad Gita very well, as you know. So he told me so many things about Bhagavad Gita and uh, in the. The second day, in the night, I had this dream. It was on the 16th, 16th July, 74, in the night. I had the dream, you know, that uh, that some, something attacks me, you know, and I was very, I was like a nightmare. And uh, I was calling out, Krishna, Krishna. Actually, uh, I, 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 I always was chanting. It was very amazing. I, I chanted uh, always, even in the sleep. I immediately could remember Krishna when this uh, when this uh, thing happening. Whenever, when, as soon as I chant the Krishna, Krishna, you know, all this uh, nightmare went went away. And, and then uh, next morning, uh, Pritu came, and I also, uh, or I don't remember, maybe he came, or I went to him, and, and he also asked me, so what do you think? Do you want to join? And he said yes. And, and he told, told me, okay, come, we shave you up. <laughs> <laughs> so on the 17th uh, July 74, I was already shaved, you know. <laughs> After three days in temple. <laughs> Took me a week. <laughs> and I never left then. Also, one, one, uh, I didn't know anything. I really didn't know anything. I also didn't know English. So the uh, one, one of the devotees told me we have to chant 16 rounds every day. 
It's no problem. No problem. So I, I, I started the I started the chant 16 rounds, huh? and then in a, in a few minutes I'm fin I stopped. So the, he, so he came to me and said, "Hey, you're already fit. Why don't you don't chant?" So I, I uh, told him, "I'm finished already with the 16 rounds." Huh? So and then I understood, you know, it's 16 pearls, you know, 16 round things. <laughs> And he told me, no, no, it's not like that. You have to change 16 rounds, 108 times, 16 rounds. <laughs> <laughs> they, they told me this already the first day when I came to the temple. <laughs> I said, okay, then I said, I have to surrender. So I, changed it. I started to change 16 rounds. <laughs> I had one book. Uh, I took one book with me from. Uh, I always, uh, because I, I was some kind of yogi, I, I practice yoga, especially I like uh, Vivekananda and Ramakrishna. Mahimad is uh, not number one. <laughs> but anyway, they had also good texts because they also quoted from scriptures and uh, and they also they had also some kind of a bhakti philosophy in it. You know, because Krishna also says, you know, oh, we have to, uh, the ultimate bhakti is uh, to, to, uh, to see Krishna and to love even the dog. But, uh, but Ramakrishna is uh, we should even uh, see God. No? God is everywhere, e even in the dog. So, uh, so and because I, uh, from the beginning, one has to do service in the temple, cleaning and doing things, uh, helping in the kitchen, and uh, and then the, you're always under the temple commander. And the temple commander is not always the best friend of the devotee in the temple, as you know. There's always uh, no frictions sometimes. So the, that temp the temple co commander was always uh, quite strict, and uh, he becomes sometimes uh, chastising devotees, or also chastise me, and say, "You know, don't know what Rama Krishna says, and Vivekananda, no, here and Yogananda, they say we should love everyone, we should not become angry, and chastise people, we should love." No. Then this can't What you're reading here? This is my word. This, uh, this is not the uh, Sila Prabhupada's books. No, this is uh, nonsense, you know. And uh, somehow that we get more and more quarrel. But then we, after after till the till to the after one week in the temple, I realized, you know, something I have to clean up there. I have to decide now to read Prabhupada's books and surrender to his philosophy and teachings or. Uh, read uh, Yogananda and uh, Ramakrishna. And so then I took the three books that I had with me, you know, and uh, went to the next park and burned them there. Three <laughs> books! Actually, from that day... <laughs> 
And actually, from that day on, you know, my devotional service uh, was uh, became very much improving as uh, in surrender, became better and better. Prabhupada's books key. Send me the Prabhupada's books key. Thank you, Prima. And we better break for lunch before it becomes afternoon. For breakfast, I mean, before it becomes afternoon. <laughs> then we're going to meet again here and we're going to have more discussion. Is the ghosty and hard to expand the preaching? <laughs> That's all it is? It's better in the evening. It's getting so hot here. It'll be like sauna here. So I, have to be, I have to speak with about 13 After this, we have Darshan here? No, no individually, they have questions. So I think uh, the best would be uh, after, after, after uh, lunch. Yes, after lunch, not the same. Lunch, the Ja, was nimmt man ja schon weg, weil was was ist Ah, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Yaki Patamahan Vande Sigurum Dinatavidam Paramanam Namadam Sichaitan Vishwam Which verse? No specific verse. 
You can choose whatever you like. You're not reading from any specific chapter. Translation or way more English? I can ask. Is there no one who could have overshot into Svensk as an understood English? Are there understood English? Everyone understands English. Arjuna Vacha Nashto Mohasmati Radha. Nashto Mohasmati Radha Tvat Prasadam Mayachuta Tvat Prasadam Mayachuta Stito Smigata Sandeha Stito Smigata Sandeha Karishye Vachanam Tava Karishye Vachanam Tava Arjuna said, My dear Krishna, O infallible one, my illusion is now gone. I have regained my memory by your mercy. I am now firm and free from doubt, and am prepared to act according to your instructions. Reported by his divine grace to the Avaicharan Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. The constitutional position of a living entity, represented by Arjuna, is that he has to act according to the order of the Supreme Lord. He is meant for self-discipline. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says that the actual position of the living entity is that of eternal servant of the Supreme Lord. Forgetting this principle, the living entity becomes conditioned by material nature. But in serving the Supreme Lord, he becomes a liberated servant of God. The living entity's constitutional position is to be a servitor. He has to serve either the illusory era maya or energy or the Supreme Lord. If he serves the Supreme Lord, he is in his normal condition. 
But if he prefers to serve the illusory external energy, then certainly he will be in bondage. In illusion, the living entity is serving in this material world. He is bound by his lust and desires. Yet he thinks of himself as the master of the world. This is called illusion. When a person is liberated, his illusion is over, and he voluntarily surrenders unto the Supreme to act according to his desires, the Lord's desires. The last illusion, the last snare of Maya to trap the living entity is the proposition that he is God. The living entity thinks that he is no longer a conditioned soul, but God. He is so unintelligent that he does not think that if he were God, then how could he be in doubt? That he does not consider. So that is the last snare of illusion. Actually to become free from the illusory energy is to understand Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and agree to act according to his order. The word moha is very important in this verse. Moha refers to that which is opposed to knowledge. Actually, real knowledge is the understanding that every living being is eternally a servitor of the Lord. But instead of thinking oneself in that position, the living entity thinks that he is not a servant, that he is the master of this material world. For he wants to lord it over the material nature. That is his illusion. This illusion can be overcome by the mercy of the Lord or by the mercy of a pure devotee. When that illusion is over, one agrees to act in Krishna Consciousness. Krishna Consciousness is acting according to Krishna's order. A conditioned soul, illusioned by the external energy of matter, does not know that the Supreme Lord is the Master, who is full of knowledge, and who is the proprietor of everything. Whatever he desires, he can bestow upon his devotees. He is the friend of everyone, and he is especially inclined to his devotee. He is the controller of this material nature and of all living entities. He is also the controller of inexhaustible time. And he is full of all affluences and all potencies. The Supreme Personality of Godhead can even give himself to the devotee. One who does not know him is under the spell of illusion. He does not become a devotee. 
but a servitor of Maya. Arjuna, however, after hearing Bhagavad Gita from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, became free from all illusion. He could understand that Krishna was not only his friend, but that the Supreme Personality of Bhagavad the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In other words, he could understood Krishna actually. So to study Bhagavad Gita is to understand Krishna factually. When a person is in full knowledge, he naturally surrenders to Krishna. When Arjuna understood that it was Krishna's plan to reduce the unnecessary increase of population, he agreed to fight according to Krishna's desire. He again took off his weapons, his arrows and bow to fight under the order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Adiyom Tatsak. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada translation and purport to the Bhagavad Gita as it is, Itopanishad, 18th chapter, 73rd verse in the matter of the perfection of renunciation. My I'm coming from India. I live in Mayapur Dam, the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. My name is Jayaprakash Swami. And I'm a disciple of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. I'm very glad to be here. It's my first visit to Gothenburg, uh, I think. I mean, I'm glad I went to the airport once. <laughs> first visit here to the Hare Krishna. This is the Govindas Center. Very uh, enlightened. I see so many wonderful devotees. Sorry for the uh, delay. I left from uh, a program with uh, Rohini Suchatavu and a few hundred devotees in uh, Yugoslavia by the Hungarian border. We drove to Belgrade and reached there at 1.30 in the morning and I flew here via Munich. The flight was delayed and it was... Uh, we, had, we had to take a little rest, so I think it's delayed. So <clears throat> but I do hope that uh, I'll be able to come many times here. It's very nice facility, nice devotees. We're reading today from the 18th chapter. This is the considered the most powerful chapter of the Bible Gita. So one can get uh, all their spiritual desires fulfilled by this chapter. And uh, this is like the concluding verse after Krishna told everything to Arjuna and he told him, okay, now you can decide what you want to do. You don't have to do what I'm telling you, you can do whatever you want. But according to what you do, that's how you're going to, the results are going to happen. If you do what I say, then I'll give you all the protection. If you want to do something different, well, 
then you'll get the karmas according to what you decide to do. But then Arjuna is saying, no, no, my illusion is completely gone. All my doubts are gone. I'm very clear now what I did. I decided that I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me. And uh, so now he's uh, prepared to take out the, the Lord's order. He says, I am firm and free. Stito. Stito means like fixed, firm. Sitos means a sandeha. Sandeha means all the doubts. And gata means like gone. All the doubts now are gone. That's, that's the, in the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna surrendered to Krishna and said, Sishyateham, uh, I am your disciple, now you guide me. And he asked so many questions. He had many doubts, many inquiries, 700 verses he covered. And now after hearing everything, now he says that all my doubts are gone. Gata Sandeha. So it's, that's, really, that's really the perfection. We take a spiritual master and if by asking him questions, we can get rid of all our doubts, all our confusion, all of our misgivings, have a really clear picture. This is what I have to do with my life, or what I have to do at, at this time. What more can we ask for? That's, that's what a spiritual master can do for us, give us the transcendental knowledge by which we can get out of our confusion and we can know exactly what we have to do. Spiritual life is, uh, or yoga, it's uh, something we have to practice. It's something that we do in order to realize the truth. But in order to fix our mind and exactly what we have to do, what is the process of yoga, which is the process suitable for us, it's very important that we have this kind of very clear guidance from one of my spiritual master. So this is the conclusion here that Arjuna was successful, he achieved that. And although Arjuna used to be, I mean he's also Krishna's friend, but friends tend to joke with each other and take things as a friend may say something, hey why don't you do that? Ah. You know, they take it or leave it, it's a light so that's when Arjuna, in the beginning, he said, Masishyateham, I am your disciple now. No, let's not talk about like it's friends anymore. Now, I want you to guide me as my spiritual master. I don't, I don't want a friendly discussion. Give me absolute truth. Give me out of this illusion. I mean, the real things, I don't know what to do. I'm very much disturbed by this whole situation. We know that basically Arjuna, he didn't want to unnecessarily kill anybody, but he was a general. And it seemed like he was being obliged to engage in a very massive warfare. And since uh, his, he and his, uh, his brother and him and, his, and himself would be the if they're winners, they become the emperor and the ruling family. And if uh, 
they lost, the person who lose, then that's a pretty horrible consequence in a war. You die with your body and everything. <clears throat> so, but then he thought, well, losing, of course, that's not a very positive, positive you know, alternative. And even but he thought, even if I win, so many people will be killed, so many of them, my relatives, it's like interfacital war, brothers and cousins, brothers and brothers. I had to fight my guru, who taught me how to fight. I had to fight my grandfather, who was uh, for me like uh, dearest my father. I guess he actually didn't have, grew up almost under the care of his grandfather. Somehow they're on the other side. There's so many factors there. So he was very much confused. Why does the use of winning when I win and I have to win? I have to kill all these guys. Who well, are so dear to me. Plus, so many other people. So it's not worth it. There's so many social problems, there's so many. So, like this year, I was in a real confusion. And he was the general on one side, so you can understand the position was really critical. But then, to get out of this confusion, he told Krishna, I'm your disciple, you guide me. These are my doubts. And then as soon as I, he told Krishna, okay, now you'll be my guru, you'll be my spiritual master, guide me. Then Krishna, we were saying many, many very sophisticated learned things, but no intelligent person would say those things. In other words, very nice way he's calling him to, uh, speaking like a fool. Because you don't see that what are these people who are present? First of all, they're not the bodies. They're the spirit souls in the body. So actually nobody actually dies. There's no such thing as death. In the real sense. The people are forced to leave their physical bodies and they go on and take a new body, a new birth. Depending on their karmas and their different activities, they get a certain reaction. And so on, chapter by chapter, the, yeah, explain though, this whole science of the Bhagavad Gita. How we can work for Krishna and get no reaction. He taught the science that, of how this illusory energy works, that we are Originally, pure spirit beings with a living force that's in this body. For some reason or another, we've misused our free will and we've decided that we want to try to lord it over the material nature. The material illusion looks very attractive, we think I want to enjoy it. So when we give up our serving attitude to Krishna, and instead we want to be in a controlling, enjoying attitude. But the material nature gives us unlimited possibilities to try to satisfy our different uh, desires. But as soon as we are trying to achieve one desire, we realize it's not really what I wanted, or we get it, it was pretty nice, but then all of a sudden it's already gone. And like this, we're just running after one thing after another, and it never ends. And we stay into this illusion. When somebody realizes that I'm not meant to enjoy this material world, 
because by nature I'm really a servant of the, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. When I serve Krishna, then actually I become happy. Trying to follow these different permutations of the material illusion never makes anybody permanently happy. One goes from happiness to distress, distress to happiness, happiness to bizarre, always in a state of flux, nothing is permanent here. Most of the time we are suffering. Now, uh, I'm sorry, one thing is that in the Europe I found out that when it gets hot here, you are not prepared for heat. India gets hot. There are reason the newspaper is very hot in India. In India we are prepared for heat. Every room has fans. Like that room does, I got a little bit of a thing, I'll probably use the example. In the summer you get a fan, it's very nice, a little cooling. In the winter, it's minus 20 or something, you don't need a fan. Because it's a hot there. But I was this year, I, I mean, uh, it's cooler here in, in Sweden. I was just in, it was in the 30, upper 30s in uh, Yugoslavia. No, so they were in a tent, it was like a sauna. There was no fans. India, even if they build a tent, they have fans. That's <laughs> if it's the, it's the uh, summer. So, at least India, India is not prepared for cold. <laughs> it's prepared for heat. Here, you're, you're really well prepared when it gets cold. I was here in the winter and it was really minus something, 20 or something. Other rooms are well heated and doubles and doubles. But here in heat, we have a short summer, but it's, we have a short winter. So that's the difference. But according to the time, now in the summer you like air conditioning, or you like some fan, it's very nice. But in the winter you don't. Now nobody's uh, using the heaters. Probably. So this is the illusion that uh, the same thing that makes us happy now will make us suffer another time. So it's like you, you may create one environment, you may have a nice environment for the taking off the, uh, the heat. When it gets to be the winter, then all those fans are useless. They need heaters. And here, right, so you may have all the heaters and all the wall, you have so many heaters, but this is really help cool you down. So this is the illusion that we make some arrangement. Of course, you know, if you really have it together, then you have heaters and air conditioners, and then you have to pay the electric bill, energy bills, ecological considerations. So. There's no easy solution. Everything in the material world is, uh, turns out to be somewhat complex. When we understand that I'm not, this is not the basis of my happiness. Sometimes I'm going to be materially happy and sometimes I'm not going to be materially happy. I'm going to have some inconvenience. It's not important. Because we're getting a happiness from a totally different platform, different level. When I see how nice you're all chanting and dancing Hare Krishna, you know, you have such a feeling of transcendental bliss. 
that uh, spiritual happiness is uh, based on a totally different uh, experience. And somebody who hasn't tried it, they won't know. It's something one has to experience. That's what's special about Bhakti Yoga. Bhakti Yoga is a immersion. You get totally immersed in the thoughts of Krishna. Krishna's absolute truth. So if you do, for instance, Astanga Yoga, the different levels of yoga, Karma Yoga, Astanga Yoga, and finally the topmost yoga is Bhakti Yoga. This morning, uh, no, it wasn't this morning, it was uh, day before yesterday, Mahini Sutta Prabhu, one of our Iskand Gurus, he was sharing with the devotees how he became a devotee. So he became a devotee in 1974. And uh, he said that he used to listen to George Harrison. So he read in some introduction to some CD or the album or something, where he said, like, the universe are a progression, you go from Jnana to Dharma to Astanga to finally the Bhakti. So he remembered that. And uh, that when he came to the, he met some devotees for the first time, and they started talking to him about Bhakti, or he said, oh yeah, that's, that, that's the topmost one. I remember reading about that by George Harrison. And within three days, he was uh, chanting uh, 16 rounds and uh, he, he, uh, he took up Bhakti Yoga fully three days, he was into it. It's a bit of a shock treatment, he was saying that. <laughs> Someone told him to chant 16 rounds, uh, third day. But uh, he was sharing that. So sometimes, People, they try one yoga, but other yogas take a long time. But every yoga is meant, to, is meant to get absorbed in the meditation. But through the eighth level yoga, the mystical yoga, you do asanas, you do pranayama, and then gradually you get uh, some concentration. After you learn how to control yourself, a very simple life, good diet, and everything, then eventually you can get some concentration. That's what these different eight levels are ending, and that final level is samadhi, trance, in total absorption on the absolute truth. But in the bhakti yoga, just by this chanting and dancing, which one can uh, even walk off the street and do within an hour or twenty minutes, even with sometimes in a few minutes, depends how. If you're regularly used to chant, you can fix the mind very quickly. As some of us may take a slight bit more time. But within a fairly short period of time, one can get the mind focused. And that is also samadhi. And they can start to experience uh, spiritual <coughs> happiness. Which is not dependent on the senses, it's not dependent on the mind. Usually our happiness is dependent on the sense if it's a nice day out, we feel it's rainy, stormy, then we feel another way. It's all by our sensual perception. But here, we're getting a happiness in Krishna consciousness which is not dependent upon uh, the senses contacting some sense object. In fact, it's totally out of our control. 
We may suddenly feel like laughing, we may feel like crying, we may feel like our hairs are standing on end, or some kind of spiritual emotion, which is not due to any other uh, visible uh, reason of contact with some material thing. It's because of our contact on a spiritual platform with Krishna. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he used to demonstrate this and chant with his devotees for many, many hours. And he would become so ecstatic that he, he would start to do things which were obviously out of his control. He couldn't control how the tears were pouring from his eyes or how his voice would become choked up. Now, Lord Chaitanya was really experiencing this highest ecstasy. What happened is after some time, people saw that everybody's looking for who's got the highest ecstasy. He's the guru that I want. So then he got some people that started to imitate the ecstasies, like actors, in order to attract followers. But they weren't actually experiencing the ecstasy, they just started showing the symptoms of the ecstasy. In fact, uh, we saw one person in India used to put in the back, in his like dressing room, he put chilies up his nose. And he'd go out and it was burning in the nose and tears would be falling down. And, oh, and then people say, wow, and he's really filled with love. He's got so much ecstasy. He must have been a really yogi to keep the chilies in his nose. <laughs> and, uh, So our uh, grandfather guru, he said that he made a standard uh, program that we shouldn't show the ecstasy as much as possible. We just try to internalize it. So not make the whole thing cheap and then everybody thinks, okay, can just show it and then that's it. Because there's other ways you can tell if somebody's in ecstasy. If somebody's experiencing the ecstasy, They'll be so satisfied with themselves, with their own spiritual practices that they'll naturally start to develop all kinds of nice qualities like being tolerant when there's unfavorable circumstances, when they're criticized, when people... Usually if somebody tells us, you know, you're a wonderful person, you know, we like to hear that, oh, yes, of course, <coughs> glad you noticed. But if somebody tells us, you're our rascal number one, you know, you're good for nothing or something, then, you know, you start feeling really down. Especially if it's someone you know, or if some stranger should shout some obscene to us, doesn't mean too much. But if it's someone you know, then it affects you. Especially if it's uh, someone very near and dear. So this uh, ego, and it's uh, getting uh, inflated or deflated, that's uh, something that normally affects people very severely, but if somebody's on a transcendental satisfied platform, then they're not affected if somebody praises them, they're not affected if people criticize them. Uh, just for some superficial thing. And then like with many different qualities like this, you can start to distinguish this person's always busy in spiritual life. 
that don't waste the time doing things which are not connected to Krishna. Somehow they're doing things which are always connected to the spiritual practices. So these are called anubhavas, and these you cannot imitate very easily. Symptoms you can imitate, but uh, these are the results of spiritual maturity. So this is someone who wants to ex be able to, to, ex to distinguish who is actually spiritually advanced. There are symptoms they can watch for. Eleven symptoms are mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita. You can, if you like, you can be calm. And this is one can start to recognize who is actually spiritually advanced. But because at some period in time people just start showing external things, you can, you're a good actor, and the, on the drop of a hat they teach you how to cry. And they think of the worst thing in your life, the most horrible thing, you know, your grandfather you loved so much he passed. <laughs> a good actor, you really just focus on something, start bawling and crying, tears will pour out. So that's not, that's not it, that's acting. That's not, but that doesn't, then they can change in a minute and they feel something else. You see sometimes in some movies you have a person who plays two, three roles, and some of them are totally opposite. So one minute he is in one way, the next minute it's another way. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about really spiritually experiencing true satisfaction and deep realization. So Srila Prabhupada, many times, he was always a nice to I don't, I never saw a time when he wasn't really spiritually very blissful. But he wouldn't show, like that's why sometimes you see this very great face, you know, I can't make that face, but there's a very great face. Some people think, oh, it doesn't look happy. He was so happy. But he's so happy that if he, that, that was like, that, that was another kind of happiness, like a really deep, profound happiness. But sometimes, even his emotions would just go out of control. I remember once he said, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's, our grandfather, my grandfather Guru's disappearance day, and Prabhupada was uh, saying how much he appreciated how all the previous acharyas had done things to develop Mayapur and how he was also trying to develop Mayapur, the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and how much he appreciated all the devotees who are helping him to develop Mayapur. And when he said that, then he just choked up. He couldn't speak anymore. Tears were pouring from his eyes. And he was just stunned and he couldn't, he was out of control. After, only after some time that he got the devotees to chant Hare Krishna and he could re recover his uh, composure. One time he was at uh, Atlanta arriving from uh, Mexico City in Caracas and he was there and there were hundreds of devotees uh, present and he was before the Mordecai beautiful babies they have in Atlanta like this and when he saw him, he said, you don't understand how fortunate you are, how merciful Lord and Yitai are, that they have come here just to bless all of you. They're the most merciful incarnations. 
And then while he was explaining about the mercy of Lord Chaitanya, he also, he lost control and he, and he just started to cry. And he couldn't speak anymore for a while. And then he was singing that uh, song for the first time, Parama Karuna Nithai Gaura Chandra Savayavatara Sarasiramani Kevalananda Kanda Like that in Gorakpur in India, when he met uh, this uh, Hanumat Podar, Hanumat Prasad, Prasad Podar. And as he was doing a program there before the Radhamana Bhiris and the Mayapur now, but at that time we were traveling with him. And he was talking about Lord Chaitanya meeting with Sarupa, with uh, Sanatana Goswami. And how it was like uh, Krishna meeting with the gopis after a long separation. And it was such an extremely emotional moment for Sanatana Goswami to meet with Lord Chaitanya. When they met and Lord Chaitanya just embraced him, you know, Hug that both of them started to cry in ecstasy. Lord Chaitanya and Sanatana Goswami. When Prabhupada was explaining this, he also got choked up and he started to cry. He couldn't speak for about a number, number of days. Hare Krishna. Take this. So we'd like all of you to experience this uh, transcendental ecstasy. That's done by a systematic high Krishna, high goal. Water. Like every one of you to experience this spiritual bliss. I hope many of you already have. And the more and more you can experience it. And the knowledge which dispels all the illusion. As Arjuna systematically read the Bhagavad Gita, got all of his questions answered. Now at the final conclusion he said, now I'm firm with my determination and clear in my consciousness. All my doubts are gone. You know how strong that makes one feel? When you're really clear, okay, this is what I have to do. Because the doubt is really what we can know, it's the proper thing. And not only that, he knows that he has all the power of Krishna behind him. And Krishna has unlimited power. He knows what he has to do, he knows that to, in order to do this, Krishna is fully behind him. He's not doing what Krishna wants. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if this is a good example. 
this coming comes to mind. They're seeing how an opposite thing, you read in the newspapers now, how like you have these um, American soldiers who are in Iraq. They were they went there in order to carry out the order of their president and their country's agenda and to protect their country and all this. Now they're sitting there in 50 degree weather and they've never been trained to do a peacekeeping operation, they've never been trained to do policing operations, they've never been trained to do nation building. They were just trained to kill people <laughs> and be soldiers, and professional soldiers. They did pretty good at that. But now they're in a situation and they're getting frustrated. They're told you can go back as soon as the war is over. War is over. And they're sitting there and they're getting picked off by all the guerrilla warriors. And it's like, a, you know, so they're like in the opposite situation. They put their faith in, in something and, and when you read the newspapers, they don't feel very supported by that. This is a problem that in, in this material world, we make a decision and go forward and we find out that it's not what it was told to me. Everything's different. Doesn't work out. But in the situation Arjuna is in, because he's actually understood now what Krishna wants, and Krishna has the full potency to give the full backing, whatever has to be done, he can fully supply all the ingredients and all the requisites to achieve all the success. That's a, I don't know, maybe it's a bad example, or just something topical that came to mind. Just, uh, I'd like to share one other thing with you, of course, is how this 18 chapters I mentioned in the beginning is considered the most powerful of all the chapters. This not, I'm not saying this, but Lord Shiva, he said this in the Bhagavad Purana to Parvati. He mentioned that 18 chapter, that it is uh, very, very dear to Krishna, and it is the conclusion of the whole Bhagavad Gita. And if somebody chants the 18 chapter verses, it's very, very powerful. So Parvati wanted to have a, she's a personified maternal energy. She wanted to have an example. So then Lord uh, Shiva told the exa an example about the glories of the 18th chapter. Have you heard that? You heard it? Chile. Chile. Anybody hear the others have heard it? Would you like to hear it? Yes. Yeah. What do you think? Yes. 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 Yeah, yes. Okay. So it starts out that Lord Indra, and Lord Indra is he's the, he's the king of the celestial universe. There's the three worlds. He's like kind of, he's the king of the angels that run this universe on a higher level. And uh, he gets there because he does a lot of religious activities when he's on earth. So he gets to serve as that chief angel in this on that level. There's higher levels, but on this level he's the chief. So there he's uh, seated as the king in heaven, and uh, he's being glorified by so many other celestial beings. How he's really a great person. How he did so many wonderful things. And, and he's sitting there and they're having all kind of cultural programs, dancing, music, great 
uh, sages and yogis who are able to travel on that higher level, they're also officiating him. And he's in his capital city, which was in a place called Amaravati, on the side of the, the mystical Mount Meru. So then, in his royal assembly in the back, two messengers from the spiritual world appear. They're called Vishnu Dutas. They're personal messengers from the Supreme Personality of Ganya, Vishnu. That's why they call Vishnu Dutta. Dutta means messenger, like ambassadors or something from the Supreme Lord. In India, they call a, an ambassador a Rastra Dutta, messenger of the country. And they used to call Rajdut when they were the kings. Now it's Rastra country instead of king. So, they were Vishnu Dutas. They came along and they came one Ramana from this planet, one priest, priestly man. And the Indra said, well, he's just a servant of the Supreme Lord, in charge of this one part of the universe. So he actually, when he sees the ambassadors from the Supreme Lord coming, he got off his throne to receive them and find out what's the news, what's happened. And so they're walking right up to him. And he said, welcome, how can I help you? And then they walked right by and picked up this uh, Brahmana, put him on the royal seat of Indra. He transforms and he becomes himself Indra. And then everybody looks and sees the old Indra, suddenly he's like, no longer Indra anymore. He's ex-Indra. Just got laid off. Right? Some of the airplane, air, air companies are laying off their pilots. They just got laid off. Everybody said, Warfare, Indra, Daya, Indra, Deva, Worries, Indra, Deva, Worries, Worries to the new Indra, Deva. It's like, Long live the king. The king is dead. Long live the king. Long live, long live Indra, Indra is born now. Long live Indra. So the ex Indra, he was really frustrated. He said, What's going on here? I mean, how did I lose my job? He was like, Boom, just like that. And he was very frustrated and he was asking everybody, people to look at the Supreme Lord, you know what I mean? He said, Thank you for watching our videos. Be sure to subscribe to our channel. We publish new videos every day. And don't forget to like and share our channel.